I thoroughly enjoyed the history lesson I got on the mics, by the way. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Because I thought I had the shit mic, and then you got you had the good mic, obviously, yeah. and then. Then I realized that Britney Spears uses this mic. Britney Spears does use that mic. Oh, she used to. I don't know if she still does. Yeah. But she has used that mic. Every every celebrity has, to be honest. Look at this thing. This thing is on a shit. Oh, look at it. It's just droopy. It's like, it's like your penis drum. Oh, it's... Oh, you you got... you. Uh, oh, he's not, it's not tight. Okay. It's not tight. Enough. Oh, yeah. Tighten that up. Do you hate it when it's loose? Always. Hey, everybody, this is John Seth. You're listening to John Seth's World. I'm here with my co-host, Sean and Kevin. And uh, today we got a terrible show. <laughs> it's always terrible. Oh, man. There's a lot There's a lot that happened this week, actually. Like, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about social media bannings. We're going to talk a little bit about things that are going on in Bitcoin. And we have a special guest. We're going to talk to Ooh. Joseph Looney. Joseph Looneybin. Joseph Looneybin. Uh, one of the preeminent collectors of, of rare Pepe's, actually. Uh, he's he's collected... In fact, I think he was highly involved in the early rare Pepe scene, and he's got a new counterparty project, and that's going to kind of be awesome. He's actually using the counterparty protocol. He, he's a blockchain artist. Uh, yeah, he is no a way. blockchain artist. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's, he's definitely a pioneer in the, in the blockchain art space, which is... Uh, oh, you got it? Yeah. Sean, Sean's sitting here fixing my mic. Yeah, just tighten that, tighten that nut. Tighten that nut. All right. Yeah, we couldn't figure it out because I got in here, my my uh, my mic just kept kind of drooping. Sean, oh, maybe move it over here. It's so difficult. It's hard, right? Yeah. This this wouldn't happen on like a good podcast like Joe Rogan. Like he doesn't have these we have, problems. We have the shitty blue table. We really do. Yeah. It's like made of plastic and. I don't know. It's like a tinker toy. Yeah. All right. All right. Ah. Yeah. All right. We're good. All right. This is a great start to the show. <laughs> oh, shit. It, it Did broke. it? I broke it. I think you don't know. Shut us another righty, tighty, lefty, loosey. I do know that, but it's I don't think working. you do. But it's not It's not loosening or tight. It's, it's doing neither. Oh, man. We got pieces falling out. Everything sucks. <laughs> Put a condom on it, Sean. <laughs> the shots are moving parts. Oh my god! All right. So uh, you hear about that uh, that Bitfinex shit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is kind of the big story this week—the Bitfinex stuff. So Bitfinex, I mean, like, what exactly is going on? It was found that eight hundred fifty million dollars is missing, and that Tether's not fully funded, and there was some arrest. Right? Is that is that the full story? I feel like it is. I heard the arrest thing came out recently. Like, I just saw the arrest it was like, a, today. My or favorite something thing about, about it, like, I feel like I have a, a personal history with this. It's a former owner of the Minnesota Vikings. Is that who that was? Yeah. Because you, you recognize the name, right? I was like, I feel like I know that no, name. No, I did not recognize the name. Reggie Fowler or something like that. Reggie something. I don't know. Uh, but it was, it was, uh, I looked, I was like, I feel like I know that name. And then I was reading through an article today. It's like, yeah, former, you know, part owner of the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, apparently was running a number of well, what they consider to be, you know, schemes uh, to enough. move to move tether bucks from here to, to thither. Is that the whole shadow here banking? Yeah, I think that was the thing. Allegations. Well, this isn't so bad. Thanks, Sean. Is that better? Yeah, all right. that's better. It's, it's it's all fucked, so but it's that's okay. Less, it's, it's just a little it's bit less droopy fucked. like it was. Yeah, it's better when it's not yeah. droopy like it's that. Like you know? <laughs> it's all, all yeah. stiff. 
Um, yeah, it sounds like they uh, they had a banking partner that's like this really sketchy crypto capital thing, or uh, maybe not a banking partner, but or some firm that they were working with. And these guys have like a history. No one really knows who they are, and uh, they uh, they uh, they lost money or something. They lost money or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, but the, it's kind of interesting because, like, for months and months, the Bitfinexed, Bitfinexed has been making these claims about Bitfinex. And uh, I, I, honestly, I, so I think it was revealed who he was, which was, like, some uh, keyboard warrior here in Florida, some kid. Hmm. And I don't think he had any, like, special access to Bitfinex. Bit, bit, Bitfinex. Bitfinex. And uh, he was just kind of, you know, making these assertions. And it's going to be weird because, honestly, like, I think a lot of people have uh, – tied their identity to Tether being, you know, solvent. And I also wonder at what level is it not solvent as long as they can, like, meet withdrawal requests, I would imagine. Because it hasn't broken the peg. It has Slightly. It's still a buck. It was a buck two this morning. Was it? Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know it had broken back over a dollar since so one of the charts I looked at on one of the articles had it not breaking a dollar since the incident. So I don't know. But that, you probably did, did it dip much when no. this happened? Yeah, yeah a little bit. Yeah, it dipped a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then it came right back up and kind of, uh, yeah, you know, well, looked like it was at ninety nine and change it, or something. It sounds like eight hundred fifty million was being held by this crypto capital, and they had those funds like uh, seized or or basically lost access to it, and they were like, well, we need to cover that somehow, and that's kind of where. Like Bitfinex was like, we'll borrow, you know, we'll we'll borrow from one hand to provide backing for the other, and the reality was that the money was coming in in loans, right? And it, so they were like, the, idea is that, to themselves. the idea is that Tether wasn't fully backed in that case. Well, the, the thing but, I wasn't clear on is is it is it not backed? Is that two hundred eighty million shortfalls because a certain entity has been withdrawing that that amount of money and, and spending it on whatever they want or moving it to other accounts, or is it? Uh, is it something I don't different? Know, I don't know if you know yet. I'll, I'll, everything that I'm reading seems to indicate that there's just $850 million missing. Like, no one seems to give any big details on it. I'm sure somebody knows. There's still things coming out about this. Like, it's not... I don't think we're fully, like, in the know of what, what all the information is. It I sounds think, to I, me I like it, just, it was frozen. It's just, and it, yeah, whatever, whatever the, whatever's going on behind the scenes here, that, there's money missing. Tether isn't fully backed. And it's, 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 that's definitively true, I guess. A lot of people like are coming Gox. out saying Bitfinex and Tether, you know, people have been calling it for a long time. Tether's this huge, this thing that's not fully backed. It's bad. It's terrible. It's bad for crypto. And you have a lot of, like, Bitcoin people coming out that aren't really, are kind of like, yeah, it's kind of sketchy and it's kind of bad what's going and on. It may not But matter. it's not that bad. Apparently not. Well, well <laughs> do, you, do you think it matters that no, much? No, I never thought it did. But I do think that there's, like, a weird problem here with the fractional reserve stuff. Like, libertarians love to criticize fractional reserve. I'm of the opinion that fractional reserve is the state of nature, that that is just how one would behave given the opportunity. So telling, like regulating fractional reserve bank and telling people that they cannot do it is, uh, is not better. It's not very libertarian, to be honest. You'd think that libertarians would be all about it. Like, yeah, fractional reserve. But, you know, the fractional reserve system is insured. I don't think, I mean, Tether is not. So... I'm surprised at the level to which it's fractionalized. It's not fractionalized that much. I would have thought they could have fractionalized it a lot more. And so they, 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 they might have been in the process of fractionalizing it it's a just lot the more. Beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were well on their way. 
to getting to less than 10% of assets yeah. held on the books. I'd hope so. I mean, I would. Th- I think that without regulation, you could see fractionalization down to five, four, and three percent. That's with, with done. So, in other words, uh, like like reserves to like outstanding. Yeah, is like, well, reserve ratio right, like right now is a quasi arbitrary ten percent. I think. Yeah. I mean. That's the number I, was I thought it was lower than that. I, I thought it was like 2%. So. 2% no. Like even. 10, I think the Fed I, went into a room, did some math, and then came out with a magic 10? number exactly 10. Huh. <laughs> so you think you could, you, you, you'd have less reserves in an unregulated scenario? Well, if, if, you, if that's not true, you wouldn't need to regulate the 10%. But isn't regulating come with insurance, which allows you to fractionalize yeah. more? Yeah. No, I don't think it. I think that it means that the the risk of fractionalization is mitigated. So if you look at charts uh, from the collapse of the stock market in the twenties, right, nineteen twenty eight or whatever it was, how many banks went belly up? It was some enormous amount. I don't know, fifteen hundred banks or something. It was just you know enormous. Versus, if you look at the last financial crisis we had, which was deep and problematic, you had almost zero banks go belly up. And a lot of that is because of, you know, the insured, uh, the insured backing. And it's not just that. It's that deposits weren't lost in this, in the last crisis. Mm. So deposits were lost pre-FDIC. They're not lost now, at least to, like, a large extent. They're not lost. And exchange well, they're, accounts, not, well, they're not lost because of the FDIC insured. In part, yeah. I mean, like, your bank account is insured up to, I think, 250000 Right. And I think an exchange account is SPIC insurance. Do you know? I think it's SPIC insurance, and I think it's up to a million. Okay. So I'm I'm not actually sure about that, but I think that's I think that's SIPC SPIC. Mm-hmm. But it's you know, there is uh, there's different kinds of insurance for these products, and yeah, they're they're sort of government backed. But yeah, like I, I think I think that what's amazing about the modern day e- economy is that you have this fractionalization that occurs. And very few deposits actually lost as a result of government, uh, you know, insuring mm. a lot of the failures. Right. And the the only problem is when you have massive failures like we had, you know, in the 2000s. But we still had the, enough insurance. Right. Uh, the libertarians and others, I guess, point at the failures as reasons as to why it's so evil and bad, right? Well, they would say that the failures but, are largely caused by it. But my point to them would be that fractional reserve is the state of nature. That is, in fact what you would do given no regulation, which is often what the libertarians would argue is that you want to get back to the state of nature. And also, Mm. you'd think that there would be sort of this market trend towards some efficient amount of market uh, of fractionalization where, like, everybody would compete, and you'd have banks saying, we're doing 5%, and another bank saying, we're doing 7%, another bank saying, we're doing 4%, and people would, like, pick their risk, and another bank saying, we will never fractionalize. And, you know, the difference would be that the banks that are fractionalizing would have a lot of money to loan, and they would get to make their money on loaning money. And the banks that are not fractionalizing would make their money on, you know, customers paying to hold deposits. Mm-hmm. So it's simple. I, pr- I promise that busy. the number for in crypto is a lot higher than it is in the, uh, at least I would think it would be a lot higher mean? than 10%. Oh, and uh, how in, much in, in the crypto world? Yeah, I would or think how much that you will fractionalize. Like what the uh, what the what, what is it the what the safe the number is, is yeah that? Oh. exactly well it depends because if there's insurance you know so here's the thing if the government hadn't insured uh, fractional fractionalization yeah. I bet you there would have been a private insurance product that was developed for banks 
Yeah, but there's too much that can and will go wrong in the early days of of working with yeah. crypto exchanges. That's why Bitfinex calling out Bitfinex doesn't seem like that crazy of a allegation to eventually come true. No, it doesn't. Well, it's, the a, thing pretty, is, it's I, a pretty safe bet to call out crypto exchanges since, yeah. since the inception <laughs> of them. I think everybody's been pretty sure that like Tether's got some issues, especially considering how they've handled the audits and everything else. So, I mean... I, do you think that they go – you and I were talking. I think there's a six or 40% chance that Bitfinex doesn't make it out of this alive. I would say in two weeks, but I think it's going to be longer than that. But I, I think there's a 40% chance. Oh, you said you said 60% chance yeah. that they don't. No, no, 60% chance that they survive. I'm saying a 40%. I'm, oh, okay. I'm restating it. 40% chance that they, that they die. That's, that seems high for what I would I, I would I would I would I would say they have a pretty a much better shot of. I was going to offer you those odds. I was going to flip it and say I'll take you know. Oh no! The, I, the I think way. you should go back and look. I think I said it correctly. That okay. I, I think sixty percent they survive this. What do you think is going to? You think it's going to be like regulatory that they're going to? That's get what hit? I'm. That's what I'm thinking. Is that the? I, I I feel like there's going to be some long arm of the law coming and kind of fucking them. Because if if people are comparing something like this to like a Mount Gox situation. The world is a lot different than Mt. Gox was. Mt. Gox was also in Japan. As far as I know, Bitfinex operates, you know, under U, uh, more U, you know. Is it Hong Kong? U, Hong Kong. Is it Hong Kong? Oh, it's Hong Kong. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but, I was like saying that. But it seems like the uh, like the, the 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 U.S. would have whatever regulatory body that falls under would have more reach in this case, and would like be like, oh, this is our shot to like go after these guys. Well, that's, or something. that's the argument. You know, on their website, it says that they don't accept U.S. customers, but the the way that it's you know it's looked at if you got U.S. customers using it, mm. they're gonna go knock on your door wherever you're at. Yeah, I think I feel like they're gonna. You know, I don't think that who's that? Ask, ask Calvin Air what he thinks yeah. about. That. <laughs> <laughs> he knows about that. Yeah, and, and who's the owner of uh, Bitfinex? Who's the main guy? Paul Phil Potter. Phil Potter. Yeah. He's American, right? Is he claimed to be the owner? Or is that the other Dutch guy? I can't pronounce the name. But that's what was All like Dutch listed. Van Gogh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's him. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I was just reading about it. That's why it's fresh in my mind. But they have like a couple. There's like a LinkedIn photo that's blurry and like another one. And that's all that exists on the Internet. There are a number. Of, I mean, yeah. it, it is funny that the founder situation is kind of hilarious. Like, the, did you see this week that Brock Pierce is kind of being written out of blockchain capitals? Legacy. Really? Yeah. So is that is that. OK, so, so there was there's a news organization that wrote an article about, you know, uh, about blockchain capital, and they they you know correctly said Brock Pierce is a founder, so they get an email that says, "Please don't say that. Please stop saying that. Uh, we don't want that. Uh, he's not the founder. It was founded by these two people." And he goes back, and the article's about the request, which I really like. He does an article about the request to not include Brock Pierce as a founder of blockchain capital, and then he goes through like all of the instances where they said he was the founder, including their wiki page. Their archive dot is their own site. Their yeah. own site. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. So we're gonna get Joe on. Oh, cool. So I mean, they're draining the swamp. It's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what's funny is I got a. Did I tell you about the time I got a call from a guy doing a sale from the, a blockchain capital funded company? So he gets on and he starts talking, and then he shows me the slide deck. He's like, uh, you know, like we're revolutionary. Like we are. Invested in by blockchain capital, which does, and I go, oh, the blockchain. Oh, is that is that? Yeah, I go the blockchain capital. <laughs> I go, is that is that Brock Pierce's uh, Brock Pierce's company? He goes, I don't know, who's he? 
Oh, he was an actor on Mighty Ducks. <laughs> he goes, oh, yeah, awesome, awesome. I, I don't know. I don't know much about him. I'm like, why don't you Google him? So the guy does. And he goes, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was a sales guy. He goes, uh, um, I, I've never been in this position before. I, I, do, do you want to? Do you want to continue? <laughs> I was like, yeah, let's go. And like, the rest of the thing, it was like very like somber and sad. And he gets to the end, I was like, would you like to do it? And I was like, no, I, I don't work with companies that are invested in my blockchain capital. <laughs> so, but I, I did feel a little bad. But at the same time, like, it's funny to watch them try to backtrack this legacy. Because that was his thing. And it's, what, a year ago? You could, you... Like, he, he hasn't not been involved that long. Wait, wait, a year ago what? Oh, oh I when feel like he was call. involved a year ago. Involved in blockchain capital a year ago. I thought so. Yeah. Well, isn't that... I mean, isn't that was my impression. I guess I don't have, like, a source for that. But I always... I, I never knew he left. I'd put it that way. Like, if we were well, having it this conversation like, it sounds like, now, it's, It sounds like he hasn't really left. It sounds like they all agreed to, like, write, like, not put his name on shit. I think he's gone from there. He, they probably have his money. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Well, well, he said he was trying. He was gonna. He was planning on giving it away. So maybe this is part of. It. Yeah, he's been Puerto Rico. Yeah, Puerto Rico. <laughs> trying to change that nation. Okay, I heard he's he's really popular over there. Yeah, there's a lot of video of him uh, not getting yelled at, which is. <laughs> if you haven't seen that video, that's it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, yeah. The video of Brock Pierce pitching, uh, pitching to people. That they should take his money so he can teach them how to farm. <laughs> was that like what, it was him, Tony Lane Casserole? Yeah. Uh, some other guy. Some other people. And like a like a horde of like a group of people that yeah. were trying to. I guess they were just saying they were they were like trying to bring technology and stuff there. I, right. I'm, I'm not sure exactly like if they had a specific thing they were proposing to these people, or it was more like. Like we, what we want to come in here and do things. So we we need like your help and your support as we come in here and build our blockchain companies. I don't know. I remember there was one point where if the guy would have, if the guy would have just said, "Okay, buy 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 a farm for my family," like he could have got it done. Like yeah. he would have put him on the hook, and he was like, "All right, you know, yeah. I, I will." You know, he would have <laughs> said yes. But I, I, it was, you know, telling angry Puerto Rican women to calm down when they're upset. It's yeah. not really ever going to go over quite well. Yeah. All right. So we have Joe Looney on. Joe, we were just talking about uh, angry Puerto Rican women <laughs> uh, in, in context of Brock Pierce. Do you have anything to say on that subject? Um, no. I mean, wouldn't it be angry Puerto Rican men? I think you've never been to Puerto Rico. <laughs> So, okay, he has nothing to say on that subject. Uh, okay, so we, we brought Joe on because he's actually doing a, a really neat new project on Counterparty. And I thought uh, many weeks ago, actually Sean thought, that it would be a great idea to bring him on and uh, talk about it. But then Joe was dodging us for a number of months until I started sending him dick pics every day. So he's back, uh, and we finally got him on. Welcome, Joe. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, so tell you're doing Freeport, right? Freeport, is that what it's called? That's it. Talk to us a little bit about what it is and uh, its use case, and then uh, I'm going to hand it over to Kevin to start asking really complicated questions. All right. Um, yeah, it's basically um, just a, a way to make your own rare pepes, I guess, without having to ask the scientists for permission. So 
one of the things I wanted to do with it in addition to that was uh, to basically remove the uh, barrier of having to buy counterparty tokens to make your own rare pepes. So um, this basically just lets you do that with Bitcoin by using a feature in counterparty that I think not a lot of people maybe use it or understand that it allows you to create assets without using XCP. So we've talked about this before. So the way that counter, for, for those who don't know how counterparty works, the way that counterparty works is similar to an ERC-20 token. It creates a little bit of data on the blockchain that, and then it uses nodes, counterparty nodes to reference those places. And then it pulls out data. So it uses Bitcoin sort of like a database, an immutable database and uh, and so one of those things you do to buy those names, so there's a namespace function in it where you can buy actual names. So I could buy like Kevin or Sean, but you can also make free tokens, right? Yep. So and, and those tokens all start with A and then a bunch of random numbers. So Sean and I have actually talked about this before. Do you do you think that's the way that Counterparty should have been designed originally without the Bitcoin? You mean should have been designed without? Sorry, without XCP. XCP. Yeah. I think it could have been. I I think XCP is unnecessary in a lot of ways. Um, and it could have just been done with Bitcoin because you already have a certain like limitations built into the fact that you've built the protocol on Bitcoin, right? So there's only so many transactions in a block, which means even if it was all counterparty transactions, it would only be, I don't know, a few thousand that would have to be processed every 10 minutes. So to have another spam preventing token, which was what counterparty was always kind of billed as, um, you don't really need it because you already have to pay Bitcoin transaction fees to eliminate spam. So like, if you wanted named assets to be more expensive, you could have just had like you have to pay a multiple of whatever fee you're paying in that transaction it has to be like burned to have a named token. Like there's a lot of ways you could do it um, without basically trying to lock it down to a specific value because obviously the exchange rate changes and fluctuates. So that would be a little difficult to do. But I think. I think it was just easy with XCP and it's another thing that kind of like bootstraps a network like that is like you get people interested if they think they can make money by getting the token. It's, it is a little weird that this, this network that was developed was developed in this specific way with its native token. And then that native token to me seems to have sort of been thrown to the side. There's a lot, there's very little use of counterparty now, I feel like, and its main platform. But there's been a lot of use, I think, on sort of the asset creation side and just sort of making, you know, sort of functional things. Like I think Top Top Token was on there, uh, the Rare Pepe, the whole Rare Pepe thing, which is sort of the genesis of all of the Crypto Kitties and everything else stuff that went on uh, during the ICO boom. So, you know, I, I find it very interesting that you're now using just the uh, the free assets. So tell us a little bit about like what free you know what's the inspiration for Freeport what what it's good for you know you're saying rare pepes but I mean that's that's a metaphor for something so like talk a little bit about what what it would be yeah. you know an application like what kind of games you know what is what is it functionally 
Yeah. So I think one of the things that was kind of born out of with rare Pepe's is that people don't always want to make pictures of Pepe, surprisingly enough. And they want to make maybe pictures of other things. Um, I don't, I don't know why. That doesn't make any They're, sense. That, yeah. I don't know Sean why. Sean has the most confused would... face I've ever seen right now. I'm just like, what? I don't know why you would ever want to make anything that wasn't Pepe, but apparently those people do exist. Um, they're underserved with rare Pepe wallet. So in order to, I think just make it a little more generic, which, which by the way, you, you made rare Pepe wallet also. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I was pretty heavily involved in the rare Pepe stuff. I built rare Pepe wallet. Um, I'm a, I'm one of the largest collectors of rare Pepe's. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty deep in. I, I under, I, uh, definitely sympathize with your beanie baby addiction. So, I, I understand that. Thank you. Not everybody um, else does. <laughs> People are very confused by it for the most part. I get it. I understand. Um, so basically the idea with Freeport was I don't really want to be running a website like with Rare Pepe Wallet because Rare Pepe Wallet's still up and I basically just keep it up, you know? So there's just, certain amount of time associated with that and then a cost of like running servers. So one of the nice, what Freeport is, is it's a Chrome extension. And one of the really nice things about a Chrome extension is it's basically just the scripts that would, would you download from a website to run in your browser, but served as like a little application in your browser rather than having to go to a website. So that lets me, basically upload an update to the Chrome web store and then I'm done. Like I don't need to run a server. I don't need to do really anything. Um, I do. I actually, I, that's not completely true. I, there is a feature within Freeport that uses a server that I run just for an API call, but it's a lot different than having to host the whole website. So I did that. I did the Chrome extension thing kind of out of convenience to me and also allows me to maybe in the future build in functionality like you see in other Chrome extensions where it'll like like tip in me where it overlays the tip button on tweets and stuff like that. So um, the options there, I don't, it's, it doesn't have anything like that right now. It's basically just like an application that opens in a new tab in your browser. So it's, it's very much like a website, except that you uh, downloaded the application and it's, you're running it in your browser rather than going to a website every time. Um, but I guess if you want to kind of get into why I chose numeric assets, it's just because one of the things that we saw with rare Pepe's a lot was getting acquiring XCP is very difficult for people that don't know a lot about just like cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and stuff in general, they can figure out how to buy Bitcoin. That's pretty easy now, but to then go the next step and have to like open a Bittrex account or um, I don't even know where XCP trades nowadays, but um, that's a big barrier. So the only reason that, and it's a good reason that you, you that you would do a named asset other than a numeric asset is so that people can recognize it um, easily. 
and also other applications that use XCP are basically built around named assets. So it's really easy to see them in other wallets. Um, but I basically built Freeport as it, it can be your all-in-one. If you don't know anything about Counterparty, you can still use it, and you don't even really need to know anything about Counterparty to use it. Do you have to have Bitcoin? I imagine you do. Yep. That's all you need is Bitcoin. Everything is Bitcoin. That's kind of cool. So, and and so, what's your vision for this? Are you are you making a game or something like that, or are you just trying to like, you know, move Pepe's onto there? Um, I I kind of just want to see. I want it as another option. There's a lot of people, in a lot of people. I mean, there's a handful of people that are interested in making like rare Pepe's or what I'm saying rare Pepe's is in like a like crypto goods or rare digital art or like any, whatever term you want to use for it, but basically a rare Pepe that maybe isn't Pepe. Um, so a lot of people are doing that through Ethereum and, and through other, like through EOS and, and stuff like that. And I wanted to do it in a way that people could just do it on Bitcoin, like just make them on Bitcoin with a nice, simple UI and, just get yourself up. All you need is Bitcoin. Cause I think, honestly, I think just getting Bitcoin is easier than getting Ethereum or EOS or any of that stuff. EOS is basically impossible to use. I, Have you I tried, tried it? I've been, I've been, yes. I've been hearing a lot of people tried, say so that's great. It, so I tried it for the first time and it's probably just cause I don't understand it like fully, but you have to have, um, it's like, a, there's like another token with your EOS that gives you like the ability to transact, but you have to stake EOS to get it. Um, it's really strange. I can't even remember what it was called off the top of my head, but I just like opened the wallet up and it was like so confusing that I just gave up and closed it. So it's, it's interesting uh, to me that a lot of these other, these other coins are like, you have to do somersaults to use them. I know. And everybody was always, I just remember counterparty cause I was so ingrained in that community and, I was like, yeah, I know it's hard, like, but you can figure it out. And then I see these people using like MetaMask and Ethereum, and like that stuff's pretty, like a lot of steps are involved in getting there. And like they got they got there. So <laughs> honestly, I was surprised how Chrome extensions kind of came back because I put together a counterparty Chrome extension in 2015, and it was like pulling teeth trying to get someone to download a Chrome extension. I've always wondered why like a, like a Twitter doesn't come up with Chrome extensions, not like Twitter itself, but like why there's not a Twitter that's run off of them where you like hold your data on your own and then you can just go to sites that are willing to host it and then tell them where to point it and then they could upload it and, you know, host it. And if then they decide you're a white nationalist, they can delete it, but at least you still have your content and you could get it on another site. Yeah, it's it's really Chrome extensions and Chrome applications, which they deprecated and they don't even have anymore. It's actually they're pretty powerful tools because most people always have a web browser open. Like it's not you're always doing something on the Internet, right? Even if you're doing like something in Photoshop or or something else. And so since your browser is already open, it's kind of like the cute your QT almost, and you can just run like little like JavaScript applications in it and remove the whole need to have to go on a website or that's by the way what I see with, with dissenter. If you've, have you tried to center out? 
I haven't tried it. I know what it is. But, like, the fact that it's a Chrome extension to me is very interesting. Like, it seems as though you could supplant Twitter or something else with a Chrome extension of sorts that allows you to hold a lot of your own data so that the censorship doesn't really matter as much. Yeah, I mean, and you can just store it on uh, Bitcoin Satoshi's vision, and you'd be all set <laughs> because you've got gigabyte blocks to, to put all your data in. I think it's gigamegs. I think you're wrong about the size. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, I, I think it's because it's – I think there's a trend towards mobile. Most people browse the Internet on a mobile device. So right now, I think on Android – there is a way to load Chrome extensions, but there's really no way to do it on an iPhone. And I think on Android, it's even like kind of a hacky way to do it. Interesting. And I think on top of that, it's just, I think a lot of people just aren't necessarily comfortable downloading extent browser extensions or it's like a weird phone. It's not something they're used to. And so they just aren't going to do it. Have you seen a lot of use of Freeport or do you know how many people are using it? Um, yeah, I mean, it's in like, it's like 20 people, maybe. <laughs> like, but it's like, it's fine. I, I, I understand. I understand why. I don't know. Um, I don't know why you're complaining. I think that that's in the ICO world <laughs> worth at least a billion dollars. <laughs> you got 20 users. Are they consistent? I know it's, it's pretty nuts. No, I mean, I might see an asset like every other day created because you can just look at, um, a counterparty box or like X chain or something. And you can see if there's a free port type asset that was created. I think one of the things is I don't have, I haven't built the UI for the decks uh, into it. So the exchange functions. So there's not a lot you can do. You can like make them and send them around, make like make little like rare Pepe type trading card things or whatever you want. Um, and send them around to people, but there's no way to like sell them. And I think that was a big thing. I remember in Rare Pepe's, I mean, that was like, with, I had Rare Pepe wallet going and I had basically where the Freeport's at, where you could send, but you couldn't do anything else. And as soon as I got the, the exchange functionality built in, it was like, oh, all of a sudden people are using it because they can sell stuff and interesting uh, stuff like that. So, I, I've, always, I think that... I've said this for a while. I, 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 I truly believe it. I think that the DEX, the counterparty DEX, is probably the most interesting Bitcoin innovation I've seen yet. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty bold claim, but I think, the Dex is, <laughs> I think the DEX is the most interesting thing about counterparty. Yeah, for I, sure. I think that there's, I mean, what, what I like, uh, the colored coins, I don't think really have it. There's been a lot of, uh, a lot of, claims that these other coins have dexes and such but like i think the counterparty one's really the first and only that does genuinely decentralized bilateral exchanges yeah there's no uh there's no one doing the order there's no central thing doing the order matching which is like what you add on like ether delta and a lot of the ethereum dexes is um there's kind of like a central thing matching orders um and with counterparty you basically just go by if you got in the block and i think within the block it's ordered by mempool timestamp so for whatever that's worth right so it's not a it's certainly uh 
it's not something you could do any kind of like high frequency trading on just because people could front run you but for trading like rare pepes and stuff like that it's perfect like it really is the perfect the whole idea of um like crypto collectibles crypto goods whatever you want to call them like a a, a non-currency application of like a crypto token um my counterparties like built for that right and it was initially built for securities right i think that was kind of the idea but but then we realized blockchains aren't fast yeah exactly and it's just not there's no there's no real reason for it you're always going to want people that do you're going to want that like people are going to want to front run people people are like you just can't do that kind of stuff on a blockchain really blockchains are really interesting i mean that's that's the thing that people don't get about the decks and i think as as uh as not binance who's the one that's that's doing is it binance token yeah yeah binance, binance is token. creating a dex but dex means anything well yeah I, I get that i get that but they're 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 releasing a token my first question to everybody releasing these tokens or trying to build a dex is how are you going to prevent front running because it's the easiest thing in the world to do on a blockchain yeah, because you can see all the transactions coming in. And you have a lot of time. Yeah, I mean, some of the stuff, like, uh, I think Ethereum, what's 30-second blocks? But 30 seconds is a long time. I mean... Well, you consider that high-frequency trading came in an era where we're talking, like, seconds for a trade. Yeah. Milliseconds. Yeah. Nanoseconds. Nanoseconds. Like, and yet you still have, yeah. high, you know, people are like, oh, we could get faster. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, in order to do something like that, you would need to have some sort of. I honestly, one of the things that's uh, kind of grown on me lately, as as much as I thought it was kind of wacky at first, is side chains like the liquid side chain. Yeah. Um, so it, at first, I was like, oh, you basically just made like Ripple, like or EOS, right? Because right. you've got trusted. Um, like trusted nodes but kind of the more i think about it it's it kind of makes sense like it's it's a little better than maybe a centralized service because it's, it's off-chain on-chain transactions yeah i mean it's basically just spreading your risk around to however many validators yeah. there are and however many you need so i think that could be a method for because you, you could have blocks as fast as you want and something like that i mean it's it, as fast as 20 or 15 or however many validators can kind of communicate with each other is as fast as you can like add, you could literally add a block per transaction, right? Just as they come in, just create a new block. So, well, well Joe, we're, we're going to let you go, but I just want to, I just want to say like what I've always liked about Joe is that he like does these little projects on the side that are just really cool. I think they're fun. 10, 10 people, 20 people. Sometimes you hit on it and you end up with like, I mean, how many people use a rare Pepe wallet? Um, at its peak, it was it was like over a thousand daily. <laughs> That's like a ten billion dollar project right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was a lot of trading on the decks. I, there was a, a a writer for Five Thirty Eight. I don't know if you know that web. That's Nate Silver's website. So uh, there's a writer for Five Thirty Eight got in touch with me and wanted to write an article on Rare Pepe's. So because they do they do a lot of like data analysis. He was interested in data, so I actually pulled all the DEX order matching data um, for basically the the whole bull market of 
Pepe's, um, and it was in dollar terms, it was $1.2 million. At what point? That's total, total trades. Oh, that's amazing. That were made over the, just over the decks. So they were like, I mean, people would make other deals, not on the decks. Like I have some nice originals. Are they going to, can I still sell them for a lot? You can put them on. I've, I've seen, I've seen stuff like orders get filled on the decks. You could, if you were interested in selling, I would throw an order up and you, it, pretty good possibility it'll get mad. Probably, i think like a hundred thousand dollars for like one of those old ones yeah i mean you're kind of selling yourself short there but, <laughs> um. <laughs> all right joe thank you so much yeah no problem mm-hmm. talk to you later all right bye, joe. bye i love him julian's awesome he's great I, like i like his little projects i mean like it's only a few it's not worth most people's time to do an interview about something with 20 people, but like, I think it's actually a really cool project. I think that, uh, it, it demonstrates what counterparty does. And I actually, th- what's, what's interesting for me about counterparty is that it's sort of this dead project that keeps finding like zombie legs. And I think that it's actually one of those protocols that people could use to build all sorts of really neat things. Mm-hmm. If they just kind of disambiguated counterparty, the protocol from like XCP. Mm. Which is which is interesting, I think. Yeah, and I think uh, you know it's kind of uh, I would call it more of a dormant project than than dead because I think uh, I think we saw the counterparty kind of become this dormant right. thing right before the Pepe phenomena. Yeah, and it was like oh wow, and you know that was uh, that was when it was getting a lot of use, and a lot of other projects were were looking at it. So I feel like counterparty, it's like one of those things where like like nothing's really going on. Or not much is going on, and then like something happens, you know. Like. Well, like, I mean, what's cool about the project is that it just works. That's been the way of Counterparty for a long time. And every time they try to add something, like remember when they tried to add the Ethereum EVM? Oh yeah, that, that never the happened. EVM, the Ethereum the, Virtual Machine EVM. Yeah, the EVM. So they tried to add Ethereum to Bitcoin using Counterparty, which I mean, it, it conceptually was a neat idea at the time. We thought, and it drove the price of Counterparty way way up. But it was it wasn't feasible. A counterparty just works. It works really well. It's not like I think that blockchains are a really bad idea for trading. And I think it's hilarious when people start proposing that they're going to use a blockchain for trading. Mm. And I presume either that they're not actually using a blockchain or that uh, that it's going to be a really shitty trading experience that traders are going to love because they're going to understand exactly how to front run everybody because that's what you do in a blockchain. Mm. Which is I think what the, there's a lot of reports right now that like Ethereum's decks was being front-run constantly. I think so. I mean, I remember the first big report about uh, DEX, quote-unquote DEX front-running, was, uh, I think, was it Tezos? Or, no, the other one. Uh, fuck. There's, there's, like, all of these same, like, shitty projects. But one that, like, was trying to be, like, a, uh, you know, do, like, a matchmaking right. thing. They saw front-running, like, left and right. I mean, front-running front on all orders. Ripple whether did it, too, I think. There whether was, it's yeah. a 25-cent... Or twenty five dollars doesn't matter. Well, it, it kind of matters because, like, I mean, here is the thing with the front running: you can it, it, miners order transactions, so you can front run somebody. Like every every in a, on a dex uh, by outspending them on the fee. Yeah, <laughs> basically, yeah. You, you see that transaction come in that's not confirmed yet, and like you know exactly what what, what is that there trade, a minimum, like minimum you, viable amount that it makes sense to do it? It depends on the chain. So, for example, on uh, Bitcoin, you could do it either as a miner by deciding not to, to mine certain transactions. 
if you want to block. So you could like leave people behind, and then you could make you could make your transactions go through. So that would be one way to, to front run, right? You could mm-hmm. you could overspend and make it so that your transactions are more favored by another or by a miner. Or in the case of Ripple, they were ordering based on I think the nonce value for a while. So you people were doing work like proof of work. They were doing work on the nonce in order that they could then have orders front run other orders. You lost me. So a nonce, yeah, a nonce, <laughs> a nonce is a one-time use value, right? So it, when you're submitting a transaction, you would submit also this like single-use random number that you had generated, and and Ripple would order transactions based on that number. And so if you had a number that was in a certain construct, you would get pushed higher in the order than someone who is like lower. So you could front run transactions that way. Every time. Every time. And, and so miners would figure this out and they would go ahead and like do this stuff. And it was funny because essentially, I mean, it, it goes to the point that like when you have a consensus algorithm, eventually there's some place in there where you are going to have a reduction of work. You're going to have a reduction to work. People did work in the same way that miners do work. They did work on the nonce. Instead of on you know other hash values, they did work on the nonce so that they could push their orders up in the transaction and front run people, which is amazing. It's 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 like weirdly sophisticated on some chains, and on some chains it's really super easy. And I think on Ethereum it's probably just about like spending uh, a higher like dollar amount on these things. So it's incredible. I mean, like way back in the day when we were doing. Counterparty, you would do the same thing with assets. If two people would buy an asset in the same block, like one person would eventually win it. Yeah, it would. One person would get it. Like when, and I mean, like like literally, like two assets yeah, created in the same same block. block. One person would get it, and it would be dependent on you know who the miners decided randomly would get this asset essentially, because the protocol would respect the first person to have a mined uh, transaction. It's really interesting. It is right. <laughs> It's weirdly egalitarian, but also fucked up because, like, it doesn't have to be. If you're if you have an interest in the outcome of like a trade, you as a miner, let's say, and you win that block, like you could you could affect the outcome of that trade. There's very, I mean, in that case, like a twenty five cent transaction usually wouldn't matter, right? But if you're talking thousands and thousands of dollars, there, there this is what people talk about when they talk about chain weight. There is like. There are reasons for miners to behave badly, like to disclude people's transactions so that they themselves can benefit. And like, there's going to be plenty of examples of that going forward if people continue to build things on chain that require sort of like these timely verifications of transactions and where there is competition for you know certain certain resources. Like in this case, competition for let's say a trade. Like someone has a trade up there on the decks for something. You want it, and somebody else wants it. You put it in. Let's say you're the miner. It's for a lot of money. You know that there's a 10% chance that you win the next block. So if you if you win the next block, you can prevent the other person from winning it. It's it's kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. I love blockchains. Well, it would have been interesting to see a world where, uh, like, the counterparty decks. Like, imagine if there had been all the ICO craze, like, on counterparty or something, and the decks had, like, a wild amount of use, seeing miners take active participation and, like, Doing that with it, you know. I like, mean, they, they might have with Rare I mean, Pepe. Well, they, they, they might have loved Rare Pepe. Yeah, they may have. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, it, it may have actually happened. Joe Looney was probably running a miner. Ten <laughs> percent of the area. I really want that Rare Pepe. He's probably getting them for himself. So Facebook has announced a new coin. Yeah, yeah, like their own tether. 
They both, that gets really weird. So they've I, we've we've been hearing it floated for a few weeks, and now I think they've officially announced they're definitely doing it. Right? Is they, that they, they announced that they were raising money for this, like for a token platform? And I'm guessing it's like a, I mean, we're we talking a, specifically a stable coin here, or just an, uh, their own token? As I understand it, it's a stable coin. Is that is PayPal a stable coin? Yes. I, I think PayPal is is definitely a stable coin. It's a pegged coin essentially. So I mean that's the thing. Like I don't what I don't understand. Is it, is, it's a PayPal competitor. Yeah, is that's it, what I think. I think it's a PayPal competitor. I don't think I don't understand what this has to do with cryptocurrency other than that they said it's going to be blockchain based. Or or blockchain inspired or something. Remember these keywords? Cryptocurrency based. Cryptocurrency based. Yeah. What the well, hell what, does that mean? No yeah. one knows. <laughs> it doesn't. Well, it definitely doesn't mean they can't censor. I like the idea of like like some right wing nationalist having like a bunch of like Facebook coins and then like getting banned. Like and they're gone. <laughs> it's on a blockchain, asshole. Well, with uh, with a, with PayPal or doing like a stable coin like this, the uh, the only thing that could really differentiate it is. Uh, having like more of like a client side, like a user, you, like do client side stuff, which is kind of what you brought up with with Lunar. That's like, what the, I'm saying. Like, you could literally, like, if you could you literally know. hold your own coins, yeah, that would be one thing. But like, I, I don't think so. Well, they may not do it that way, but if you were going to do something interesting, somewhat interesting with with like the stable coin, they're going to they, they gonna, will not do right. that way. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't think so? No, there's no may not. It's we're uh, FYCing our customers. It's Facebook your customer. Oh, is it a KYC? KYC it's yeah, it's, oh. it's FYC. <laughs> is it is it Facebooks? Zuckbucks? It should be Zuckbucks. Zuckbucks. <laughs> should we just Zucks? Zucks. How many Zucks you got? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Right? Yeah. I like Zucks. Yeah. But you're right. They will not do that. That's <laughs> no, but there's the brand is huge and people will. Think of it Dude, as they're gonna, I they're think gonna, it's, it's just Venmo, right? They're going to airdrop a bunch of these, to- a bunch of this shit on like Instagram and Twitter. I think you, I think that you, like, I think you're going to have like, some, I think, like, Sean, it, that you are overly hopeful that you're going to get some free money. <laughs> I, I think that they're no, probably, I I yeah, I think you like that idea? Yeah. They're going to like take the, the Bitcoin inspired airdrop. And they're going to like drop it on like these fucking Instagram models and shit. And like these, like these, <sighs> these, yeah. Like get them to get them to promote it and stuff. Like imagine if Facebook actually like did. I like, see more of a UBI approach where they just give everybody equal amount. Like everybody gets like fifty dollars worth. Yeah. Maybe twenty dollars worth. Do you think they're vying for like Yang Gang <laughs> to like use the face the the Zucks? <laughs> you think they're 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 vying that Yang uh, for his Yang Gang uses the Zucks to pay a thousand bucks? That was a rhyme. That was that was yeah. just great. I'm really proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Uh, it, it is interesting because like I feel like I feel like Facebook would be the one to you know be able to pay the uh, Yang Gang Zucks uh, better than anybody else. Like it'd be very efficient. Like to actually do the distribution for why not for Yang send it through Facebook. <laughs> Right now we we make money and we give it to banks. We should just give I it hate, to Facebook instead. I I hate the idea of uh, Ubi being like uh, F, FYI. What would you no FYC? FYC? Yeah. Yeah. Like, everyone, like hates that's, everyone hates the idea of being KYC. Yeah. Uh, well, what's funny right, is that but, like, but, it wasn't but, in your but dialectic. But Facebook five years seems ago. worse. Like I would prefer. I I prefer government like normal KYC versus like Facebook it, authentication. What's funny to me is that like KYC wasn't in anyone's lexicon like five years ago. 
And now everyone's like, oh, you did KYC? Ah, yuck. And like, you, did, you didn't know what that was five years ago. Now you're talking about KYC? Yeah. It's, it, it's funny to me. All the Bitcoin are like SARS. You file in your SARS reports? Yeah, bro. My SARS. <laughs> like Bitcoiners know SARS reports, uh, know your customer, KYC, all that stuff. We, we like know all the banking terms because we've been here now for a while. And we had to like learn them because we all got arrested for not doing it. Especially Sean. Don't forget AML. Oh, AML. That's another one. Yeah. We learned, all, we learned about money. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all I, the I, things I, about it. Right. I, wanna, I wonder when they're going to release this because, like, it, I don't know. Facebook's going undergoing, like, this giant privacy problem right now, I think, uh, with all the breaches and their desire to just take your data for shit. Like, you know, they, if you use Facebook double authentication... They then take your phone number as as a means for people to advertise to you, which is hilarious. It just shows you the extent to which they're willing to use anything, any touch point as a way to send you ads. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's their primary motivation as a company. Like they, they're, they're looking to make money. So they're trying to get everything they can on you in every way they can to, 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 to distribute that. I what mean, do you think of the purging that happened this week? I find that to be very interesting. Yeah, I I think it's... Uh, I'm not surprised by it. I mean, to be honest with you. I mean, like, when we say purge, I mean, like, they... I mean, they so, they so this banned, week they, they banned uh, Louis Farrakhan, Alex Jones, which I thought was banned already. That one gets me. Like, wasn't he banned a few months ago, so he's banned again now? Was it Infowar specifically? This I, time? I guess I, I don't know. I thought I thought it was Alex Jones, Louis Farrakhan, and, and then Paul Joseph Watson, and Milo Yiannopoulos, and Milo Yiannopoulos. That's again. right. Yeah, again. So like, I, like, yeah. I think they're just getting mileage out of this. Like, <laughs> I feel like in four months we're going to ban Alex Jones again. It's yeah. like the China banning Bitcoin. It's just like we ban Alex Jones every again. every like two weeks. Although yeah. I will say this: so the last time we heard China banning Bitcoin, we heard that was bullshit, right? Well, it's always. But where's BTCC? Did they just disappear? Uh, uh, is that uh, is that is that Lee's brother? Yeah, I it was Bo- Bobby. Bob- Bobby Lee, the, uh, the uh, Minecraft, the character. Minecraft character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you ever yeah. see that guy? He's got a square head. <laughs> and I don't mean that in the Norwegian offensive sense. You know, that square head used to be a pejorative for Norwegians. Where does it Where does it come from? Like why? Their, their heads are square. You ever seen a Norwegian person? Yeah, they are kind of. Uh, square headed. Yeah, they're square heads. Yeah, yeah. Huh? Is that is it racist to call Norwegians? I don't think that heads? any of them would know that, but yeah, I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> so like blockhead. Call him blockhead, but so, like instead of other types of yeah, but he definitely looks like a <laughs> Minecraft character. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny every time. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard. I don't know what. I don't know what they're up to. I've, I have no idea. I think they might just be gone because I think he's now here working at like Cumberland or something. Really? I, I, something. I don't know. I, he's uh He's uh Remember he's when a, we used to hear about BTCC all the time? Now they're just like they, they just kind of like disappeared. Yeah. I don't feel like we hear about BTCC anymore at all. Yeah. I know. Well, remember the whole like remember when Charlie Lee was CTO of Coinbase? Like that's where I remember yeah. we heard about him. Yeah. Oh, that was that was always the weirdest one that that like Charlie Lee was CTO of Coinbase and his brother ran like another giant exchange in China. I was kind of figured that they were like you know talking. <laughs> when your brother cashes out, you know that that big, you kind of 
don't need to work anymore. That's true. You, your brother like and send you a check. Like, Bobby, stop. <laughs> Listen, come hang out. <laughs> I got an extra house for you. It's a Bobby wing. You can build things there. How much will you make? <laughs> how, how much will you make it at your job? I'll double it. Let's go. Just for being my friend. <laughs> Dude, uh, Charlie Lee was on Laura, Laura Shin, mm-hmm. the Laura Shin podcast. He has the worst reasoning for selling his Litecoin. Just the worst. What are you saying? Well, he would just make these excuses. Like, I just didn't anticipate that people would be so surprised. Like, how could they? You know, I sold it because I was sick of getting criticized that I was, you know, pumping. So I sold it so that I was, you know, going to be away from the curtains. And I just can't believe that people are saying now that I don't don't have any skin in the game. What are they talking about? I am concerned about this project. I'm like, what? Like, Charlie, do you have, like... You must be the worst chess player ever in the history of humanity. Like thinking one move ahead, because like okay, you move your pawn there, like you know, right next to you know, right into the way of another pawn, and like it, it gets taken. He's like, oh, just didn't see that coming. Mm. Like, I'm amazed by the. You fucking see that? I'm amazed by the almost Stockholm syndrome of the bag holders of like. Oh yeah, they're just like, oh, it's fine. He says it's gonna go well, up. He swore. They get they praise him for calling it that it was gonna drop. It, it, and, and he's like, they, he sold at the top. That's why he sold. Yeah, <laughs> and then <laughs> and he then, predicted it was going to go down. He knew he sold at the top. What a smart guy! <laughs> and then, and, and, now, then he, and then he went happy. And it sank it's, and it's, sank it's, like a fucking rock, which is fine. <laughs> and it's going to go up. He said so. Yeah. And t- to unload your entire position and then inform everybody is so. So like he, he addresses that. He addresses, she's like, she's, she, she says, so, so Charlie, you. Uh, you sold at the top, and then it went straight down. And, <laughs> and then uh, this is this is obviously my recap. These are not quotes. Uh, I'm doing a better job than Laura did. But uh, and it went straight down. And and now there's a lot of people that kind of feel like you left them holding the bag, like it's your fault. And he goes, I didn't make the whole market go down. He's like, no, but like Litecoin maybe. And he's like, ah, I don't see that. Like, you're, oh, okay. And, and, and I didn't sell at the top. And she goes, really? And he says, yeah. Like, you know, I, I announced after I sold. And so they're like, isn't that worse? So you, you saw it go up, and then you sold, and then you announced. Isn't that the opposite of how disclosure is supposed to work? Are you supposed to, like, allow other people to sell after you did, you have to like thirty you have to disclose. If he sold ten percent and then right. announced like I started to sell, I unloaded five percent of my position. Well, then he says, he goes, but well, then it would have tanked. And right, it that's <laughs> what I'm saying. That's why you have disclosure. Yeah. So I'm just like, okay. So then he goes, well, the whole market thinks that I owned like a huge portion of Litecoin, so I wanted to avoid the market tanking, thinking that I was selling off all of my Litecoin. And I'm like, okay. So first of all, you're an asshole. Second, why didn't you just tell everybody how much you were going to sell? Like you could have just been like, I'm gonna sell a thousand Litecoin. Ah, but he wanted a yacht and a couple homes. Right. I mean, like it's just it's just insane to me. Like, and she just kind of like lets it go, and it's no biggie. But dude, Charlie, I can't. It's there. We go. I got it. All right. Give me a sec. I'm gonna put that on. Do not disturb because it's ringing. Um, but yeah, like I was, I was very unsympathetic to all of what he was saying. Like, it seems to me that there's absolutely no sort of in, introspection into what he did because I think that's insane. Like, you're right; it is a Stockholm syndrome issue with all of his. The people that should be the most upset praise him the most. They're so happy, but, but you know why though? I think that they think that like it's coming, like it's coming. The thousand dollar Litecoin is coming, 
And he just, you know, Charlie was beneficent. And he got off the boat before it got to its, like, final destination. And my question for them is, okay, so it goes to 1,000. Let's say Lakeland goes to 1,000. Then what? Then do you sell? Do you just hold on to it because, like, it's going to keep going up? Like, what do you think the future is? You just think it's going to get to 1,000 and that's that? Because that's, like, like, why? Why would it go up then? Because if, if the proposition is that if it goes up, you're going to sell because Charlie sold, and that's you know that's what you're waiting for. Your he, ship sailed, my friend. No, but along the way, there's other people who are going to realize Charlie's greatness because obviously not that many people know about him today. Right, so yeah. they're going to buy you know. Well, Charlie Lee. There'll be armies of these people. Charlie Lee has no stake in this, to... <laughs> and he's still so benevolent, and he's trying to like you know make sure that Litecoin is safe and good, and you know advancing. It's all great. Like, it just seems absurd to me that Charlie wouldn't have seen the, the criticism, like, oh, you have no stake in this anymore. Like, there's no way that he can make good decisions for that project. He has none. His, his head's not in it. He's essentially turned it into a test net at this point, too. Anybody that knew he was selling his entire position and then shorted it was privy to some pretty... That's the other thing. ...privy powerful information because, I mean... That's devastating to to a project. Yeah, you find that. Well, so he goes to Lori. He goes, I don't think it was the top. I think it was. It was like ninety nine point five. It was. Like I, think it was goes, I think. I think it went up a little after that. <laughs> Eighteen cents higher. Was, come on, Charlie! Like you fucking asshole. It, it blows my mind. Like th- these projects. All of them, you know, what happens if Vitalik sold all of his stock or uh, Ethereum? That would be hilarious. And then he comes out and goes, "I sold it all yesterday." Like, what would happen to the price? Because I think we have a pretty good precedent. Yeah, I mean, it would, it would tank. Yeah. Would it be a safe bet to, to think that he's been selling every month? Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, I, mean, or, I, I think or, Vitalik or, or has pretty, said he sold some before. He sold 25%. Did he's, he sell 25%? He, I think was, I'm pretty sure it was like 25% he said he, he sold. So, I mean, he's probably gone back to the well a few times. Well, I mean, there's a weird presumption here. Like everybody seems to think that uh, that these these things are too decentralized, you know, to to be able to blame anybody for anything. But I'm sorry. Like, if you started the project, if you are viewed as the leader of this project, it, it seems to me like you're an insider. And they sell for only one reason. Right. They think it's going down. Right. Why would why would you sell before you like Charlie's like evaluating things like oh it's it's pretty high I I can't understand why it would go any higher I'm just gonna sell everything like I don't know it seems to me like responsible disclosure is necessary in some sense for projects like that what uh, when did he sell do you remember like a little bit more specifically of like what time period? Take a look like, at a I chart and yeah, look at the like top. When it, when yeah. it goes down, when it that's goes about down. when he sells. <laughs> it was, that's how you know, yeah. It's 1% right off the then. top, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he says he, he sold before he announced, but like again, like that to me seems to be the opposite of responsible disclosure. Like, What are the requirements for a CEO of a company? I think you have to file, make a filing like 30 days before you sell, something like that. And then, and then you got to wait, and then you sell. But everyone else gets to know before you do. And there are entire hedge funds that watch that. Like watch watch, uh, watch what, what CEOs are doing with their shares. And they buy based on that. So I, I don't know. I think it's really difficult to make a case that there's not in these projects that there isn't 
uh, somebody or some people, you know, the core devs, for example, if you're considered a core dev, you know, we should probably have some sort of responsible disclosure requirements. Uh, I, I don't know what the rules would look like, but there seems to be some level of like responsibility that needs to be taken on those. With Bitcoin or with cryptocurrency? I think with cryptos, even with Bitcoin. Like if, if you are a person who, you know, it's, you are tied into this. Um, well, like a 5% or more. I, something like that. It might, it might just be about stake. Maybe that's what it is. If you have like 5% stake or more, uh, you, you know, there's some sort of responsible disclosure requirement. I don't know if we need the same 30 day. I don't know if that's entirely fair, but it just seems to me that if you are, it's, it, dude, it's hard because like Bitcoin, I don't think has the same type of leadership that a, a Litecoin has. Yeah, I think Lite, Litecoin is one guy. Are, least, how, how many yeah. entities in Bitcoin well, have more than a 5% stake? If you had to guess. Just Veer. <laughs> Make some laws for Veer. I think Bitcoin devs, like if you knew how much... Like the core devs had, I bet it would not be that much at all. Like people would be. I think. I think. I think the average person that's been in the space. I'm sure like, of that. By the way, they, they'd be surprised that uh, they, they 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 that number would be a lot lower than they. Even think. even a stash of forty million in terms of market cap is insignificant in terms of if they decided to sell their entire lot in yeah. a day. Yeah. It would absorb it pretty quickly. It, it might not even be about like. It, it might not even be about uh, how responsible you are, but more like how much you're selling. I don't know. It just like it just again. Seems, it's only I think you could count yeah. on your fingers how many people that would apply to. Yeah, you. no, you're right. With I, th- I think that's true. But with other coins, it's all, it's the, it's the other way around. Yeah, it doesn't. You know, it like chart like yeah. But but also like when the main person in your project disappears and quits it, like that's the thing. The question is how much faith is there? I, I haven't really thought for the but, position. And by the way, like, by the, 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 the way, the responsible disclosure requirement with, with Litecoin. There's a second dev that was pretty significant, I think. Uh, but he's also a Bitcoin dev, and he I think officially announced some time ago that he was going to cut back on working on Litecoin. He goes by the handle Shaolin Fry, and he was actually heavily involved in some of the SegWit stuff because they were testing SegWit initially on Litecoin. That's right. So there was somebody else that was pretty involved in Litecoin development, but I don't think he's as active. Um, it just seems to me the market yeah. decided that, like, Charlie was the leader. Yeah, I mean, but but he was he was definitively like I can't think of anybody was, in Bitcoin that if they left, they I mean, would, he like, went by, he went by the handle Satoshi Light. Like everybody was like, oh, it's Charlie. He's the founder yeah. of Litecoin. Like he was the face of Litecoin. Like, like before Vitalik was the face of Ethereum, Charlie was the face of Litecoin. Before Vitalik was like, the face of Ethereum, and you have Charlie. other and you have these other shit coins that are basically Bitcoin forks that have like a visible head of the project like uh or at least somebody that's closely like tied to like that coin right? like i bet if you ask nine a hundred like the ass eating kid who that who they the have the ass eating kid is uh the via coin is a via coin dev right but he's uh he ass has eating he was the one that ate uh ate, ate ass, ass. <laughs> he ate oh ass eating ass eating oh, <laughs> oh what, do you, what do you think i said ass heating ass, oh no 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 eating the two different actions yeah <laughs> well, one's, like, well, one's gross the heating right i'm just kidding uh, but yeah, heating. Yes, but but uh, yeah, they're they're it's different than Bitcoin. They're they're you know they're visible heads of those projects. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that I mean, but like that's the thing. I I don't know exactly how you do that, but it just seems to me that within Charlie's case, he was selling knowing that exactly how the market would react, and he and I don't honestly like if he hadn't announced, it wouldn't have been a big deal. If he had just kind of continued on as if he had Litecoin. Well, that would be a big scandal, though, to have. I mean, how would anyone know ever? Yeah. Because the way he handled it couldn't have been. Could, it, in hindsight, it couldn't, work he, it, it couldn't have worked out. And it couldn't have worked out any better than than what he did. I mean, tactically, it was flawless. I mean, he's unscathed. His name is pretty much untarnished. 
He's rich as shit. He's rich as shit. Yeah. And he might even come back in for another pump on it. He might come back to the well. He'll, he'll, he'll yeah. buy right at the bottom. I've reestablished my but position. He'll, he'll come in. He'll bought, come in. He's like, I've bought back all stake. the Litecoin <laughs> you've that heard, I you've sold. You've heard it here first. For, <laughs> for, for, for one 80th of the price. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still rich as shit, bitches. <laughs> but I'm running low. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Off to the races. It'd be fucking great. He should do that. We should suggest that next time we see him. Yeah. It's part of it. I guarantee you he's thought of it. Yeah, I guarantee yeah, it. Yeah, I'll bet, like, like, on the Magical Crypto show, he's probably talking to the Fluffy Pony. Like, Fluffy, we got a, like, I got a good yeah. scam for I you. Bet he announces, <laughs> I, I bet he announces he, 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 bought, he back bought back in. He bought back in. Instead of that, he's buying back in. Like, I'm going to buy yeah, back my guys, I, uh, I, I bet he does. Like, oh. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and by the way. After the fact. By the way, I'm back in. By the way, guys, I bought back in. It's funny because you, you have this, like, idea that he did it because he was afraid that people would think that he has too much Litecoin. And so, like, to go back in and buy the same amount, you would think that you'd have the same concern. But, mm. no, he won't. He just wants to buy it low. So he'll just buy it, you know, 5% or 2% at a time, and then eventually we'll have all his uh, Litecoin back. I like this idea a lot. There's a term in poker called going south, and it's when some guy has a bunch of chips on the table in front of him after winning a big pot, and there's other guys with bigger stacks around him, and in no limit hold them, you can lose your stack at any time. So sometimes a player will take like a stack of chips and put it in their pocket, or to, to you know it's, it's called going south, and it's one of the most looked down upon things you can do at the table to move your to move your chips. To, no, to try to like take them off the table. Like say say you bought in for a thousand bucks, and after like an hour or two of playing, you're up to like fifteen thousand dollars. You take five thousand off. Yeah, the table. some guys will try to take five thousand off the table because they don't want to lose their whole stack. They want to guarantee bitches. Yeah, it's That's it's like, a bitch move. You, you couldn't like leave the table and then buy back in for a thousand bucks again. You, you have to play out the amount that you have. So That's if another guy bitch. has, I like that though. I would do that yeah so so that's kind of <laughs> do, you, do what, you do that never 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 that's you know that's it, it doesn't make a lot of sense i guess if you're playing like your, your goal is to play your whole stack you want to play all your money no. well i think i think it's that you've already had some money in play on at the table and you're taking that money out of play no so I, I get that gonna, i'm just saying it, like if you're playing lots and lots of poker games like you might as well just play as much as you can like uh, taking money off the table I, th- I would think would be a bad idea I mean, some people. Okay, imagine you bought in with everything you have, and then you just fifth, you know, you just you know, ten x it in front of well, you. Well, then you can do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you know. I guess I yeah. would do it then. But yeah, for him to buy back into his Litecoin position would be like you know going south. Going south. You, you I like know, that a lot. Be like a, yeah, it's a you know, mm. it wouldn't be good. But I think I think that nobody would care. It, apparently, you don't get in trouble for this at all. Oh, for, in Bitcoin, no one would care. No one other than a poker player would even know what I'm talking about. What but. percentage of uh, of people even know who the lead dev on the Bitcoin Core project is? What percentage of people that own Bitcoin? Yeah, less than one percent. That, that's what I think too. Probably. Uh, I don't think they, I don't think they know. I don't think they could name any like core devs. <clears throat> yeah, that's probably, probably true. But I, I think that like even less like Vladimir, right? Like that's is, is that still the head well, of the, the core repository? Yeah. The the maintainer. The maintainer. Yeah. Jimmy so, Song's a core dev. Jimmy Song is a core dev. <laughs> I, I asked. <laughs> I asked. I asked Luke Dash Jr. that question. By the way, I goes like, "Is Jimmy Song a core dev?" He's like, "Anybody who contributes to core is a core dev." I was like, "All right, all right." 
Fucking A. <laughs> yeah. The terminology is kind of... You know, I think it depends I, on which core dev you ask. Well, the thing is, there's a lot of people who have commits in Bitcoin Core, but there's only a handful of people who are continually... Make, Does that make me a core dev? Well, by, not? By, 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 I think by, I'm a core dev, by right? By Luke's definition. Yeah, I'm a core dev. You're a core dev. I should start introducing myself as... Just- I thought, you were a cor- I thought you were a core dev this whole time. I have a core dev. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I contributed gender neutral language to the Bitcoin code. So, like, I. I uh, yeah, yeah, you did. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, I'm a, I'm a core dev. Yeah. Thank you, Luke. <laughs> I, think, I think the terminology should be, like, core contributor. That's what I think. I think then, core contributor, core dev, and then, like, maintainer. Yeah. I really like Joe Looney's uh, explanation of asking permission to the scientists of. You know, you don't oh, have to. Yeah, you don't have to ask permission. <laughs> that, that really speaks to me. <laughs> the, the rare point, Pepe thing is one of the that. funniest yeah. things. It, it's true. What do you think, scientist? Uh, can I? <laughs> I I'm like well I... aware of what I'm doing too. <laughs> it's, it's, I like the yeah. idea of like the oracle in Bitcoin. Like, oh yeah, he's the he's the uh, Bitcoin scientist. He, he's, you got to ask him permission. Yeah. The rare Pepe stuff was one, some of the funniest, probably the funniest eight months I've ever watched something happen. It was just fucking hilarious. It was, I mean, like, it, it, it beat. It was more funny than all the ICOs because it was happening at the same time, and it was organic, and everybody knew that it was just shit. It was just beanie babies on the blockchain. Oh yeah. And now all the articles, I love, I love the recapping of it. Like, yes, Crypto Kitty invented crypto collectibles, and I'm like, I, I don't think you're right. I, I think that it had nothing to do with crypto collectibles invention. Like, I think that was, you know, the rare Pepe pretty much beat them to that and before that is a spells of genesis project but like where did that go yeah kind of feel bad about that one because i liked i was excited about that project yeah well it was good to have projects that you know were 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 going in that direction with 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 counterpart and doing stuff spells of genesis is my favorite moment because like they would they would put these uh genesis cards on the decks or in other places they would sell them and I would, because there were so few people interested in it, but there were people collecting them, I would go and buy up every card and then sell them right on the decks like five minutes later for like three times the money. <laughs> <laughs> Which made me an asshole. <laughs> Makes you a, a, a market maker. I'm a capitalist. You're a market maker or something. I was for like certain cards. <laughs> I think the Ripple card is the one that like, uh, they, they, they sold a number on. Were you getting front run? I couldn't. I was the only one with the card. Oh, oh. That was the funny thing about it. Like, <laughs> what, what, yeah, <laughs> I was front running them. <laughs> I would sit there and refresh until the thing, and then like, I, I remember we'd be in the chat, and we're like, "I'm really excited about this card. I'm really excited." And I'd be like, "Okay, ten, you know, like uh, two hundred dollars. Okay, send that." And then I would get it, and I'd be like, "Oh, it's already gone." <laughs> I'd be like, "Yeah, it is." <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're on the decks, everybody. <laughs> That makes me an asshole. Um, yeah. What's the Samurai Wallet controversy that's been happening this week? That's been kind of weird to watch. Did you, you, see, you guys see this? Yeah, there's like a, the sock puppet accusations and mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff. There was an accusation by uh, uh, Nopara, the Wasabi Wallet guy, that there was a, one of the Samurai devs has been basically using the sock puppet account to attack or go after other wallet devs. Uh, whatever a real, a real ledger move, huh? 
Uh, it is a real legend. Movie. It's, a <laughs> 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 it's fucking shady. Well, it just it reminded me of like the treasure versus like ledger shit. It like like wallet competition is definitely a thing. And what's funny about these two is both are the only like uh, like I guess mostly functional wallets with coin join implementations. And I just thought that was kind of interesting. Um, but that was the accusation. The samurai devs are just, you know, like they've said some things about their privacy that aren't exactly true. And it has to do with like how their backend operates. Um, I forget the specifics, but, but you know, you have two coinoid wallets. Um, and it's kind of cool. They did have like the the biggest coin join ever recently happened too, mm-hmm. which is so, neat. So here's here's what I wanted to bring this up too because so the the Wasabi Wallet guys um, are making money off of the wallet through providing whatever they need on their side. To, are they like taking an output or what are they doing? They're taking like a small fee for facilitating the coin joins for however that works. I like that. And I thought it's like, is it a percentage or a flat fee? I I'm not sure. Like I, I would do I, a I actually, flat fee. So I actually it's probably that I don't I don't have all the the info. And I know uh, the I think his name's Adam something, but he goes by No Power. He did an interview. He was on like just today with what Bitcoin did guys. So I don't know how much he talked about that. But there's a but there's a company behind the wallet now. So he's the CTO of this company. So it seems like there's a, there's an idea here, and there is profitability made from providing. You know, a fungibility service within the wallet implementation, which I think it's interesting if that's definitely the case and that continues to grow because, like, the coin join is not a base, you know, we're not talking about base layer fungibility. We're, right. we're talking about, like, fungibility, but through, like, doing something. You yeah. Know? It's not it's not fungibility or privacy by well, default I, within Bitcoin. I would think it's, that that would be the one you'd want to recommend to gamblers, by the way. The, was, the but, wasabi. But when you talk about like how do you actually like make any money in Bitcoin or how do you monetize a wallet? Well, providing like these mixing coin join services might th- that might actually be viable. I don't know. We'll, we'll I mean I guess we'll see. But coin join he he the no para guy writes a lot of uh, articles about coin join stuff. Right. Um. And there's and there's a whole document going into like like coin join is not just one thing. It, it has like different variants. And there's like usually like newer ideas of like how to do certain coin join uh, type transactions. Interesting. Um, but uh, I don't know. Like I, I, you know, we talk about like fungibility and privacy with Bitcoin, and it it, it it might be lacking some of the privacy things we'd want compared to something like Monero. But uh, the coin join type direction. You know, does that does provide that, and, and and there may be a market for you know providers of of, of those services. I, don't I wonder know how I wonder how hard it is to analyze coin tra- transactions. I would think you could figure out a lot based on uh, you know where those coins go, but I, I don't know. Um, y- there's I mean there's there's probably analysis being done to try to like link, uh, you know those those, those transactions to where they originate and try to find out who who they are. But if it, you know it. it I, I think the idea is that these companies that are doing chain analytics are try, are using maybe like statistics and, and probability to determine linkage to to a person or something or or linkage of transactions to certain addresses or whatever. Um, but if you implement something that really like fucks that statistical model because it kind of like breaks the 
uh, metrics that they're using for that, right. then they, 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 you know, even if, like, like it, it just destroys that to a certain extent. I mean, it's, it's part of the cat and mouse privacy game we have here, but the coin join thing, um, I don't know. It, 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 it's doing it, it seems like it's doing it effectively enough now, and there's ideas to improve it in the for, 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 for better coin join type stuff. I'd be exci- I'm very excited about the idea of like uh, you know fungibility coming to the base layer too, and uh, you know that said, I wonder how fungible like Lightning is going to be mm-hmm. because it seems to me that if you're just opening and closing channels, there's like a lot of privacy that is probably happening there. I don't I don't know how easily the Lightning network itself can be analyzed. I don't I I think with the right structure where you are protected at the network level as well. And you might have like private channels, which you can do. So it's channels that aren't being announced to the broader lightning network, I think. And then you're operating your node and your whatever transactions through Tor. Um, and you're making routine payments through there. Uh, it'd be really hard to analyze like where, where that's going. So like, I mean, what's interesting is that lightning is considered like a, a big aspect in, in, in privacy and fungibility, right. not just, uh, you know, f- uh, f- fast payments or or scalable payments or whatever, or you know, sc- scalability. So that's kind of interesting to see. I, I just, uh, you know, some of these really cool ideas for base layer fungibility, like like confidential transactions, um, and even like something like Mimblewimble. Th- it seems like it'd be really hard to pull. Well, off. it just seems like you might want, you might not want, like fungibility on the base layer. I don't know. You Maybe you don't. Maybe well, you want it on like layer well, one. Well, here's the thing. Look at something like uh, layer sixteen. The, uh, I, this has been discussed, but like Zcash, for example. Um, like maybe you want utter transparency the, on the, the base layer. Well, you 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 get you have the you have audibility if you. Let's talk about Zerocoin because like that's that's a good example. We're about a week late mm-hmm. on this announcement, but Zerocoin has some like weird vulnerability. Yeah. Right, and they're they're one of those coins that you really can't know what's going on. Well, on. so Zerocoin, I I don't know. Zerocoin is a protocol. So it's kind of like pretend like zero zero coin is like uh, like like it's like saying it's like a mimblewimble type. It's a I protocol. See. Okay. There's coins that implement zero coin, but this vulnerability was found like within the cryptography, <laughs> which means like you're really fucked. Like you're, you're it, this isn't this isn't uh, this isn't a vulnerability in the code for one of these coins. This is vulnerability in, in the, the cryptography th- in the protocol itself. Yeah. And uh, some coins are probably like we're going to move completely away from that. Um, and now you're now you're completely fucked. Uh, Zcash, you know, there's a lot of concerns about its initial setup, of course, and there's no real way to audit the supply of of Zcash. Yeah. Like you may as well consider it a completely fucked chain and a coin because you have no idea if there if right. There, it if, just if, takes one if, per, there, like, if there was an inflation bug, you won't know about it. Right. So the so the beauty of not really having a complete until uh, the market crashes. Yeah. Guess we had an inflation bug, guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you if like there may not be a way to measure that or not, right? You'd really not know. I was gonna say, just like someone starts selling, just if someone just shits, yeah, cash on, uh, like sells like ten times the amount that are supposed yeah. to be existing or something. Like yeah. there's like I don't know how many Zcash are, but then someone jumps somewhere and like sells like four hundred million Zcash in an afternoon. Yeah, just keeps cashing out in pennies. Like yeah, I could I could see that happening. Yeah. Fulfills every order. Wouldn't it be like how gratifying would that be to go to like uh, an order book and be like, okay, all of them sell. Would that just feel? It would just be. It would feel so great. 
Yeah. You try that. It was just flash crash, like all day. <laughs> just like all day long. It looked like a ski slope. Yeah. It'd be great. I, I think that would just be one of the most gratifying things. It would like the best thing you could do in like a video game type scenario. Sell to everybody. It would just be fun. Yeah. Facebook is banning people. We should have talked about that during the Facebook, interview, but like, or we kind of did. We kind of did touched on it. But, but by the way, can you remind me? Do you know who uh, like the Louis Farrakhan guy is? Yeah. I don't know that much about him. Oh, you don't? Not really. Oh, did you got to go watch his rallies? They're great. Well, he's. I mean, he's definitely like a far left guy. But like, in what way? I think it's hard to like define people as like right or left these days. I, I just don't care. But he, the guy is. He's so he's like kind of the predecessor to Malcolm X. I feel like in some ways, uh, he's an old man now. Which is interesting because they called him dangerous, but I'm like geriatrically dangerous maybe. He's he's old. He does these rallies. They're like black nationalist Jesus rallies is the best I can say about them. Are they like the, uh, they're like the black <laughs> I guess they're Israelites? not the Muhammad. No. He's, he's, def, he's, he's, an, he's not a black Israelite. He's, he's definitely like Muslim. But... Not a fan of Jews. Yeah, not not a big fan of Jews at all. Doesn't mm. like the Jews, uh, apple Jews or cranberry Jews. Mm. Uh, but he, <laughs> he he he. Yeah, if you go watch his rallies, you'll see. Like he just he'll talk about you know taking back the community, taking you know whatever. But then like then all of a sudden he'll talk you know about how Jews are termites. Like mm. he's very blunt and blatant. The reason they banned him, I think, is because he's been the one that the conservatives have always gone to. Like if you, if this is so bad, then why why is Louis Farrakhan on your platform? I 100% agree with yeah. that. So it's just literally cover. Now, like, they took that argument away. Facebook did. Mm. So now, now, now. Now you just got to find someone new on the platform who's, like, also terrible, like Kathy Griffin. Why is Kathy Griffin on your platform? Mm. So, I mean, like. Well, I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter what left, you know, left or right. I mean, the, the banning is bad to begin with, and it's it's. Well, I, I was saying, I was saying yesterday that I think they missed the point. I don't think that conservatives were saying you should ban him. I think they were saying like, don't ban anybody. But if you're going to ban us for those reasons, he's still on your platform. And now, like Facebook, like, we banned him. What more do you want? They're like, we didn't want you to ban him, you asshole. Like, mm-hmm. we just we're pointing out that you can't ban these people and not this one. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense. You're you're clearly targeting people. Mm-hmm. Like, there's clearly an ideological targeting going on. It's very obvious. Mm-hmm. And it's creepy. They also lumped the, when they described who was banned from Facebook. They described that as these alt right people. Yeah, that's hilarious. Which too. anybody who's like listens to this Louis Farrakhan is gonna be like, well, that guy's definitely not alt right. Alt right means that anyone they anyone don't, you like, don't like. I think yeah. you're right about that. Yeah, yeah. it definitely. Oh. Well, it does. But if you if you but if the people well, that who makes are him right. saying, oh yeah, fuck He's the alt right people, and then their guy, the guy who they follow, and they know what he says. Gets bit labeled as alt right. I never want to join the alt right. Does that mean like you never want to get banned? Is that what that means now? <laughs> like it doesn't even mean you don't want to like have bad views. It's just like I don't want to get banned. Like I don't want to join the alt right. Yeah. I don't want to be depersoned. Yeah. But it goes back to like alt right is like alternate reality of some sort. It's like oh, just now you're not a person. But do you think the more the the more people they categorize under that, the more those the people that listen to those people are going to be like, oh, I may, maybe none of these people are like alt right. Like it's just like the, they'll come to that realization, right? It's the general term for. I don't think people that, that they anybody will come to this realization. I think that it's like very. I don't know, dude. I, I think that I think that we are heading for some dark times in the, in America, America. Hmm. I think if you start suppressing people and making them feel like they cannot talk, 
I, th- I think that you end up with like a real, real bad world, real, real scary. Because you know you have to like if people can't have the voice that they meant to have, if that they want to have, that they earned. Mm. You know, it's not like it's not like they're banning small people. They're banning people who had big voices who wanted to have big voices. And if you cease to let them have big voices, like it, I don't know what that says to people that agreed with them about their you know their voice. I don't think that YouTube or Facebook or Twitter realize this, but if you have somebody that has a million users and you ban them, and then you say, "Well, they're radicalizing dum dums, and they're and they're uh, racist, anti-Jew, anti-Muslim, anti-this, anti-that," you're actually not talking about the person you banned anymore. You're talking about the people that were following them. So, like, what did those people do? You know, there's a lot of people that are crazy. But not just that. What did those people do? Because a lot of them are going to feel like their voice, that they too have been silenced. Oh. They were deferring to this person to, to speak for them. We that, need to ban them too. Well, that's what's going to happen. So what are you going to have like millions of people offline? Like, you know, soon they're going to have to meet in white hoods to prevent people from seeing their face and actually I mean, do it in real life. If their subscriber list is all the people that got banned, then obviously they're, they're a bad person too. Yeah. Well, I think that was what, like Alex Jones. I think was banned from Facebook again. Again, weird uh, for I think speaking well of Gavin McInnes, and Paul Joseph Watson was banned from Facebook for being tied in with Alex Jones. I think these were like some of the reasons given. So now, I mean, Snoop Dogg came out today and said that people should just share like Louis Farrakhan videos, and I think that I think that like now they have to ban him, right? He's a tough one. I, I agree. Mm. He'll become a Trump supporter in like 10 seconds. No shot. Yeah, dude. Mm. No, not, no. I think Trump should come out in favor of, like, Lewis, I don't like you, but, like, you shouldn't be banned. Like, this this should be the time that Trump comes out and starts, like, talking about this. It'd be great if he did, but like it would be really funny. It'd be, it's a great opportunity. Like, make it look like like if he wants to win the black community, I, really, I feel like that's what he, he should do. He really hates <laughs> Trump as it is, so that would be a big just, one. Just but like go, just but just go over to it Louis would take Farrakhan. something like yeah. Go grab Louis Farrakhan and be like, hey Louis, uh, I don't, I don't think I, I don't necessarily agree with you, but I I will fight for your right to be on Facebook. That's a power move. That's what he should do, right? I like it. Yeah, Trump will like ninety nine percent of blacks in America will vote for Trump. No. 99.99999. Man, but like, I think in response to, like, some of this is really neat. In response to uh, a lot of, like, some of the censorship, like, Gab now, so they were taken off of, I think, Firefox's. They were banned. They're, uh, they're. App Store. I think the center was banned from, like, all of the. Uh, Chrome extension stores. So, like, it's it, it's when you click on like Chrome extensions, the, you can like search a store to find Chrome extensions, and they took them off of that. But it, it it's pretty trivial to just like through another click, uh, just get go download like, the actual, it. Yeah, download the although Chrome it's more work than most people will do. It is, but they did. Uh, They're gonna fork it and make their own browser. I got into it with Torba this week on uh, on Gab. Yeah. Because they're they want to they want they're going to fork Brave they're going to fork Brave and then, uh, <laughs> but they're going to take the reason they're forking Brave is because they like the privacy function but they want to take away the token <laughs> which I think is great I think that's that's hilarious yeah. but my point to them is look guys Gab right now 
GABA is a shit product. It barely works. It's hard to use. Every time I've tried to tweet, I've gotten an error. Uh, or, do I say tweet on Gab? I feel like it's going to Burger King and ordering like a McNugget. <laughs> uh, but, you know, every time I try to tweet on Gab, I I get an error. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, just, it's just, I don't really understand. It's not intuitive. It's a bad platform right now. And they could just spend a little time maybe getting a UI person who is ideologically aligned to come in and explain to them how to build a platform that, you know, is functional. Uh, Dissenter. Just crap. Like, if, if there's a story in there that I want to do, like, if I, I can open it up in a browser kind of setting, and if I click on the story, it will bring me to the comment page, but not to the, the thing itself. Like, okay. there's just all sorts of, like, usability problems in everything that Gab builds. So now they're going to build a browser. So they've got a, a shitty social network that doesn't work. They have a shitty extension that doesn't work that well. And now they're going to build a browser. Like, how many more projects are going to add to their plate before they realize that they're not going to be able to get anything working if they completely vitiate their ability to fun- you know, focus on one project? Mm. Yeah. And a browser is a... That's that a seems like a bigger undertaking. I mean, I, I would say they would, they would be... Uh, constantly doing uh, downstream from Brave, like they're they're not gonna they're not gonna take that browser right very far in its own direction. You know what I mean? Well, like, my favorite thing is that Brave got mad at them for doing this. Yeah. Well, like Brendan Ike was like they were they were going back and forth, right? Yeah. Well, he's like, what kind of what kind of little bitch forks a project and then removes stuff from it? And I'm like, you, you mean like Brave, which forked Chromium and removed its ability to display ads? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> Like there's, <laughs> like this is these these open source wars are funny. It's not like Brendan Ike built that code. Yeah, we could have the Sean and Junseth extend like browser if we want to do it just for Chromium. It's not hard. Like, you could do that tomorrow. Yeah, and it, all that I promise is that I won't look at your nudies. <laughs> I'm like Google. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering about that. Like, when when do you think? first candidate's going to run that Google hates so much and they just release their, like, internet browser history. Oh, that's interesting. That'll probably happen. It has to happen, right? Oh, someone will leak it for sure. I think I think that's... I think that's I and think and that's you're going to get weird, weird responses. People are like, well, I don't want my history uh, released. And then half of you are like, well, he needed to have it released. He's a bad man. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta just own whatever the fuck is, is there. Yeah. It, w- it would be... You know, like, yeah, hacks. I like girls in skirts. What? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's the most effective thing in your <laughs> yeah. search history. It girls sure is. Skirts, huh? Girls in skirts. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, but yeah, that's that to me is it, it, it's that's the the prospect of this stuff, particularly with the tech companies the way they are talking, the way they are acting, the way they are. That seems to me to be a very real prospect that scares me. Oh yeah, I mean, it, I mean, think about Reddit. Like, how many people use Reddit for porn? Probably a good amount. I mean, the, 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 these tech companies. I mean, there's nothing new to say we haven't said here yet, but like, they have a lot of power, and there's nothing being done to like mitigate that, and. They're going to have a lot of power going forward. You're right. There's so much history on future people that might run that they may abuse or utilize. Well, I also I also wonder what the access is. Like, how many people at Reddit can see your history of subreddits, subreddit gazing? Isn't that public? No. 
Oh, like well, I can what see you're what viewing? you're looking at. Oh, yeah, I see. Yeah, I but Reddit meant... keeps track of it because, like, you can look at it on your own thing. Like, how many people have access to that? Because I'll bet there's some low-level employees that have access to that. It just takes one. Like, oh, here's mm. his internet history. Whoop, done. Does that make anyone unelectable? Yes. It would. I mean, you just have a war. Disqualify every human. Well, this is the question. Like, so, like, let's say there's a leak. <laughs> there's a leak from Google about like Donald Trump's search history. First of all, Donald Trump is immune to that. So, like, you'd look through his history and be like, well, you know, yeah, the, okay, uh, a lot of Stormy Daniel videos yeah. right around this era. <laughs> <laughs> how to how to wow. hit your drivers? <laughs> <laughs> every night, Stormy Daniels. Booby porn. Um, <laughs> everyone would look like, well, you know, that makes sense. Okay. So, like, they, they, it wouldn't hurt him at all. But, like, would there be this sort of, like, showed you, showed you mine, got to show me yours kind of thing? Like, well, now that Google's released uh, Donald Trump's, now he's got to release uh, yours, Hillary. Although that, that might just mean that we can only have women be president, now that I think about it. That's what I meant, disqualify yeah, every male, that's, male that's human every, being. <laughs> like, if you want to disqualify every man from being president, just release their search history. If you want to, if, like, that's how you do it. World, I'm going to make an announcement. If you want a female president, if that's what you're, release no, f- no, the female search history. Female presidents from now on. From now on. Just every, <laughs> Not just one. <laughs> just, just, just require, instead of tax returns, make it internet search history. <laughs> God, if that's doable, it's going to be done, and that's a scary thought. It just means that women are going to win from then on. Yeah. And then we have uh, Bloody Mary. All right, everybody. I think that's it. Do we have anything else? Tesla? You want to talk about Tesla, didn't you? If you want. We can. I mean, like, uh, Tesla's interesting. We should have asked Joe when he was on. Yeah. What do you, what do you think of, uh, like, what, what's going on? I think that I think that Elon Musk is getting ready to flee the country. He's going to end up in <laughs> South Africa with only a lot of Bitcoin. That'd be funny. That's what I, I, that's what I, that's, I kind of want that to happen. It'd be hilarious if you completely bailed on yeah. this whole I'd like to be the first one to predict that. <laughs> Him tweeting Ethereum and then just kidding right after would seem like a like an attempt to manipulate cryptocurrency well, did markets. You, it, well, I, that, did you see what happened? Did the price pump? No. So here's oh. the everyone, everyone wrote the story that the price pumped, but if you look, I, it, everything yeah. went up. Yeah. So like, uh. it's just stupid. I hate these stories. When we're doing like Merkel headlines, I try to take away the like when they're like the bias. Yeah. yeah or so the, like the wrong speak. What yeah. is it like uh, in lieu of or in Brazil? You know, Bitcoin is now available at a sandwich shop, <laughs> uh, and after that, local Bitcoin saw its greatest volume. And I was like, that okay. So local Bitcoin saw its greatest volume is the story there. The sandwich shop is stupid, and you didn't do any analysis to figure out if that's why everybody's buying fucking bitcoins so like i try to remove that stuff and that's the same thing like ethereum did not pump but i saw that there's a giant news article written about how i think the headline was vitalik and musk are debating ethereum and it's fascinating and it was musk said ethereum jk and then vitalik has like a series of like desperate comments like please mr musk talk to me about dev mr musk please come to our dev shop mr musk Mr. Musk, please listen. And like he just doesn't pay attention to him, and this really and hasn't responded yet. But fascinating. fascinating. <laughs> Do you know what he did? Reply to one of Vitalik's tweets with, uh, "I don't uh, quit trying to send me ETH or something." Oh yeah, like, I, guess I saw that because it's all <laughs> yeah. Like, why are you trying to give me ETH or whatever? 
I think early on, like there was, I thought there was an announcement that Musk had, or that that Tesla was going to partner with Ethereum or something. But we saw that this week with Land Rover and who else was Iota. it? Iota, Iota, oh, yeah, <laughs> Land Rover and some other thing. Dude, Jaguar, Jaguar, and, Jaguar and Land Rover are partnering with Iota. Yeah, this smells like the Kodak. very Co- likely Kodak miners. Oh, They're right. <laughs> very likely. Did you know the Kodak project apparently is going on right now? Well, they bought the name rights for a couple of years. That's what I, apparently it wasn't well Kodak; it, it was oh. the name rights. Yeah. So, like, I think that actually might have been a good buy for people that were like trading on the stock market because, like, it sounds like Kodak might actually have a little revenue that's guaranteed here for a couple <laughs> of years. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone thought it was Kodak doing that project, and it, it wasn't. Mm. It wasn't. I, I had a question about the Square Cash, the quarterly report. Yeah. Where they announced $65 million worth of Bitcoin sales, which a couple people said that accounts for about 10% of the the issuance of the daily supply. There was an article on the Bitcoiners that said you know, they had projections that looked a little crazy for you know what they're going to... By 2020, it'll exceed the minor. Yeah, like, yeah. D- 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 Bitcoin is funny <laughs> because we have a bunch of people who went to high school. And they're doing they're doing journalism now, so you have like good journalists in Bitcoin. Like Gorin is fine, minus the Satoshi thing. Uh, Torpy's fine. Torpy's pretty good. Aaron Van uh, Dickenrot, what's his <laughs> Dickenrot? <laughs> Aaron Von Wind- uh, Van Wind- Van Van Wurdrum. Yeah, he's great. Uh, <laughs> you know, we we are terrible, but we are, I guess, in some semblance, uh, in some sense, journalists, kind of. Humorous ones. Uh, and, you know, there's a couple of others. Mm-hmm. But then there's a bunch of them who, like, I don't know where they came from. Came out of nowhere. They're writers. They're not mathematicians. And I don't know what the fuck they're doing. Like, Excel, and they're like, okay, and then add the logarithmic function. Ooh, that's a pretty chart. Okay, 2020 it is. And then they're putting a headline <laughs> down. And it's like, you guys, like, stop stop with this bullshit. It's not interesting. Like, the story isn't that, like... It's going to exceed Bitcoin in 2020. It's that they did X amount of supply today. Can we like have some honest reporting, just for once, please? You smear merchants. There, there was a tweet that <laughs> that was talking about three companies. It was Coinbase does twenty thousand a month. Uh, Squarespace does six thousand a month. Grayscale does six thousand a month. And it was those three companies account for you know a lot of the supply. And then I was thinking about. Like the ATMs, like other exchanges, like right. local bitcoins probably does more than all of those. Uh, probably in like multiple countries. In, in total, they probably yeah. are the you know the biggest. But in in terms of you know eighteen hundred bitcoins a day dropping to nine hundred soon, it seems like a few of these companies are at least you would think they're exceeding that amount. Well, I want to know where they're getting their coins because like my guess is that if they're needing a specific supply, they probably have like a very direct line to an OTC or to miners themselves. My guess is a lot of people have a good supply until they don't. You, you know, like it's been there for a while. Well, what but, I'm wondering is if you buy on Square, are you getting really like really coins that are really close to the Coinbase? Are they are they sourcing directly from the miners? I, that's what I'm wondering. So are you getting like two hops wouldn't from the Coinbase? Be, w- wouldn't that be pretty easy to tell? Wouldn't someone have... Yeah, you'd be able to... If you pulled it out of, of Square, you'd be able to figure it out. So there's been no discussion among people analyzing coins that they've got from that service? You haven't seen anything? That would be interesting to, to know. That'd be very... Like, I, I almost want to buy some coins now to see. Yeah. You can you can export them from Square, right? I'm sure you... Yeah. You probably have to go through a few steps. 
it'd be cool to look but, at some that happened yeah. like a month ago or a couple of months ago to compare them to today, you know, to see if they all are originally sourced. It'd be very interesting because I, I wouldn't be surprised if you get near virgin coins. Really? Yeah. That would surprise me. I don't know why. Like, I would think that they're just bought through a dealer or something. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they have direct access to a miner. Why, why wouldn't they? Hmm. Yeah, good point. I mean, I, there's no. I, mean, I wouldn't know. I, I would. It'd just be interesting to know. I'd be curious if anybody knows that. Uh, telegram me. I got a lot of good telegrams from the last episode. Corrections and such. I don't remember what they are, and I don't have enough integrity to correct anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> but people did you like lose. message me a couple. Of you lose. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's it. Is that everything? Anything else? Yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't put anything else in All right, everybody. You can find us on Telegram in the Ethereum Plus Coin Dojo. Is Ethereum Plus plus Yang 2020 we're, or something? We're currently the, the, the Yang Gang Dojo. Yang Gang Dojo. But okay, so we'll it, see, it changes we'll from time to time. We'll see how long the Yang Gang. Uh, but we have... Who did the, the beautiful picture of the Ethereum Plus? Oh, oh fuck. I forget. It doesn't matter. I should know. It doesn't matter. We don't give credit here. Yeah. Sean did it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. This is Johnson Chunkin' Up the Deuce of the South, the Masses, and to go in peace. St. Catherine, pray for Sean. <laughs> pray for me.